Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we have been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On today's show, we will discuss zinc-rich primers and how they are used in the water tank industry. To understand more about this metal and how it's used in coatings, I'm joined by two industry experts, Jamie Mays, the Director of Sales for McGuire Iron, who is also a NACE Level 3 inspector with over 25 years of experience in the water industry, and Eric Zimmerman. Eric is a Project Development Manager for Sherwin-Williams and has been at Sherwin-Williams for over 20 years. Eric, give our listeners a little bit about your background. I'm responsible for the water business for Northwestern North America, and my job is to work with large municipal owners, specifying engineers, and contractors to help drive our water business in multiple segments, water storage, transmission, treatment, wastewater treatment, and then sewer collection as well. Those are the five sub-segments that we we break the uh, water market up into. So I'm responsible for growing that business through North America. I'm going to talk a little bit today about zinc primers. What, First of all, what is a zinc primer? Well, a zinc primer um, is a, a corrosion-inhibiting uh, product that's a heavy metal-filled uh, product that acts as a primer where <clears throat> zinc, when you look at the galvanic series, is a less noble or more active metal than what carbon steel is. So it gives itself up, uh, it sacrifices itself to protect the host carbon steel substrate, acts as a cathode. And zinc primers come in several different levels. If you look at uh, SSPC or the Society of Protective Coatings, uh, they have they classify zinc primers in two types, uh, type one, are inorganic zinc primers, type two are organic zinc primers. And they have three different levels, and the levels are associated with the percentage of zinc that's in the dried film. Level three is 65 to 77%, level two is up to 85%, and then level one is any zinc-rich primer that is above 85% zinc in the dry film content. So when was when was zinc developed, or when did somebody figure out that zinc could be used to theoretically protect metal? Well, the, the first known case histories of, of using zinc uh, as a cathode was the British Navy in the early 1800s. Uh, they put them on the outside of their copper ships, but they quickly found that the copper uh, fouled and it decreased the speed of the ships. And so they had to make a hard decision uh, to protect their ships from rusting or slow them down in battle. So the British decided that they uh, would have fast ships that they replaced because of corrosion issues. But as a coating... Um, the first zinc-rich coatings were, were applied in the 1930s, uh, and uh, those formulations existed until the mid-60s when the advancements in inorganic zincs really came into play. 
Uh, and those are some of the technologies that we still uh, participate with today. So where is zinc used today? You talked about where it came from being used on ships. Where all is it used in the industry today? Well, I mean, it's still used uh, quite significantly in the marine industry where they will actually place zinc ingots on the side of ships um, uh, as a for cathodic protection. It's used uh, quite frequently in the bridge industry and high-dollar infrastructure, structural steel uh, of stadiums, um, and uh, high-dollar uh, commercial structural steel applications. And then for our purposes uh, in the water industry, it's used uh, very commonly as an interior and exterior primer for water storage tanks. So there are also, you use them on water storage tanks, as you talked about, you know, bridges, different, different kinds of construction. There are also different kinds of zinc primers. Talk, talk about that a little bit, because I think it's important to talk a little bit about the differences and how they're used and, and why they're used that way. Well, and, and I alluded to that earlier. Um, type 1 uh, for SSPC Paint 20, type 1 uh, zinc-rich primers are inorganic zinc primers. And those primers, <coughs> uh, their binder resins are inorganic in nature. Typically, they're ethyl silicate backbones, and they cure using uh, the residual moisture that's in the air. And uh, those primers offer some significant benefits. Uh, they offer much higher uh, heat resistance, um, uh, much better corrosion resistance uh, for the most part. Uh, and part of that is because uh, because of their curing mechanism, they must go to a much more stringently applied um, steel surface. It has to be near white metal blast, and it has to have good angular profile and cured and uh, dried in a controlled environment. So therefore, they're excellent for shop fabrication applications and they're great for high heat applications, but they don't apply so well in the field. Uh, for field applications, you have the type two products, which are organic zinc. And basically what that means is their binder resin contains carbon. And so you will have uh, either a urethane in a, with a moisture cure urethane backbone or an epoxy zinc rich primer uh, that contains carbon and it has some benefits on the application side where it can go to less stringently prepared substrates, an SSPC SP6. Uh, these can be applied in immersion service uh, in many applications. And it has a wider parameter of atmospheric conditions that it can be successfully applied to, especially with moisture cure urethanes where you can have very low temperatures, very high humidity, and still form a film. So this is a great spot. Uh, we also have Jamie Mays, who is the director of sales at McGuire Iron and also an ACE 3 inspector joining us as well. And this is a great place to bring you in, Jamie, because you have a lot of knowledge in the water industry. And there is a back and forth when we talk about zinc primers and really what they do and are they really beneficial. Uh, from your experience, talk a little bit about your experience with zinc primers. 
I'm always curious whether or not the zinc, because it's encapsulated inside a resin, if it truly does have the sacrificial properties and whether it just not as lamulets lay across, whether the moisture actually works its way through the coating and just creates a two mil coating and makes it act like a six mil coating, or if it truly does sacrificial, because we still see isolated corrosion under a zinc rich primer. And so that leads me to question whether or not it's truly acting as a cathode in that situation. Um, or, a biggest, right. or a barrier exactly. coating, right? Or a barrier coating, right? We know it's a barrier coating. It just, it just it does it expand from a two mil to almost acting like a ten mil because the moisture tra travels through that coating. So that was my only biggest concern about it. As a shop application, I love how fast it dries. I love the way it sprays. And so there's a lot of great applications that way from the past where we had slow drying primers. So just curious as to whether or not you feel that the resin itself encapsulating the, uh, the zinc truly is um, still allows it to be a cathode. I think there's some, some significant debate about that. You can read uh, numerous industry papers that argue both sides of that. Uh, I do think that there is some corrosion benefit gained from a, a zinc primer, but I agree with you that it does. The zinc particles do have to truly be in contact with the steel for it to act as a cathode. Okay, and also the state of California at one time had tried to actually ban zinc as a heavy metal in the industry. And because I think in the mining process, they had also contributed to some lead content. Does Sherwin-Williams take any account to how do we manage and minimize the amount of lead that may be in that mining process? We actually do. We, uh, one of the other designations for zinc-rich primer uh, is noted by ASTM uh, 520, the standard uh, for uh, the type of zinc. And what that does, there are three types, one, two, and three, and that <coughs> designates the amount of zinc that is in the dust, the lead content that's in the dust, and the cadmium content that's in the dust. Type one um, allows two-tenths of a percent of lead and 0.06% cadmium. Type Two dust allows 0.01% uh, lead and 0.01% cadmium. Sherwin-Williams only uses type 3 dust, which is the most heavily controlled and the most expensive zinc dust. 97% <clears throat> zinc in the content, 0.002% lead, and 0.001% cadmium. So we use the highest level of zinc dust in all of our primers uh, regardless of the application. So why does Sherwin-Williams go to that extra length to make sure that their zinc primers meet those kind of standards? Well, quite honestly, it's the right thing to do. I mean, it is the safest for the public. It reduces the amount of lead that could potentially get into water. And uh, we just feel as a company uh, that is the right thing to do. And we commonly I'm, lose projects because our zinc will be more expensive because type 3 dust is more expensive than type 2. 
It's 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 cost more to manufacture, but we feel as a company that that is the ground that we want to stand on, and um, that's what we go to market with every day. So now talk a little bit about how are these zinc primers applied? So we touched on it a little bit, whether it's shop or field. What is the difference for people who don't understand what you're talking about when you talk about shop applied, field applied? Are they measured the same way? What does that look like? For the most part, zinc primers are spray applied. As Jamie alluded to earlier, they dry very quickly, and that's one thing that shops like about them is the ability to turn steel through a shop. A fabrication shop does not get paid to paint. They get paid for man hours. And the f- more steel that they can get through a shop, the better. So zincs, <clears throat> whether they're organic formulations or inorganic, the fact that they dry so quickly is very uh, appealing to fabrication shops in new construction. Zinc in small areas can be brush and rolled, uh, but if you have a large surface, uh, 95% of the time you're going to be spray applying that zinc rich primer. Would you consider it a dry fall product then when spraying it in the fields, say in a new tank fabrication, we're just uh, dressing seams and things like that, or in a full containment, if we have to spray it, would you consider it dry fall? Some some products dry quickly enough that they they could be considered they to have dry fall properties. I wouldn't say that they're a true dry fall, but uh, they do dry very quickly, and uh, they they will exhibit some of that dusting characteristics, so that after thirty or forty feet, that they won't rewet onto a substrate below. What about top coatings? Are they limited to the amount of top coats they can take in time frames? Inorganic zincs are uh, limited. There's a critical recoat window that you have to wait a certain amount of time. They dry very quickly, uh, but they have to cure the solvent out um, before you can top coat them. There are some formulations and some manufacturers that have been able to reduce uh, that recoat window, but it's still... Um, a significant time gap between when you can coat an inorganic zinc primer uh, with an epoxy top coat. And with inorganic zinc primers, the film, uh, because there's no epoxy resin uh, that's holding it together and isolating the zinc particles from the steel, it's a very porous film. So when you overcoat that with Whatever technology you put over an inorganic zinc primer, you have to apply a mist coat of one and a half to two mils to wet out that surface, to displace the air, let that flash off, and then put your intermediate coat of epoxy or whatever you're, you're placing over the top of that inorganic zinc. Organic primers don't have that requirement because they have the epoxy backbone. Uh, they can be recoded very quickly. Uh, there are formulations now of organic zinc primers that you can spray the zinc on, and at 77 degrees Fahrenheit, they can be recoded in 30 to 45 minutes. But do they also have a limited recoat window? So do they have a time frame to which they have to be scarified or abraded before they get top coated because of that? Uh, most of the primers that Sherwin-Williams have have about a one-year recoat window, organic zinc-rich primers. Um, 
before they would have to be abrasively blasted. Uh, in the water tank market, when you are uh, sending plate to the field and it could sit out, you always want to clean that. And it's quite common practice to actually go through. And since you're since you have weld seams that need to be addressed anyway, you're going to sweep blast that entire surface. So it really kind of becomes a moot point at that at that stage what the recoat window is because you need to address those seams anyway you've got the nozzle open you might as well sweep the rest of the plate to make sure that there's no ad adhesion issues and that was one of my next questions was that's one of the things mcguire iron does is we run things through the paint booth put them in zinc and then they might sit outside or you know be put on a truck that has to be driven to a site and then they're going to sit there for a while so that was you touched on my next question is is what are some of the things that you have to do or make sure you do if it's zinc coming from a factory to a job site so that it doesn't get damaged or what are some of the best practices to make sure that it it stays what it's supposed to stay in the field to to hold that paint well the the first thing is you always want to make sure that you have the specified dry film thickness on. If you are light on your dry film thickness and that allows the peaks of the blast profile to show through as it sits on that truck and it gets rain deposited on it, salts from the road or anything, you've created a corrosion cell on the top and now you've got a huge problem that you may have to blast that entire plate back to steal. Your holding primer has now completely lost its purpose at bare minimum you're going to have to clean that plate uh you know per sp1 or uh, on large structures you'd pressure wash that to get the you know the salts off of it and the and the dirt and the debris off of it before you uh, proceeded with subsequent coats so that leads me to my next question what is the typical thickness that zinc is applied to make sure that you don't have those issues that you're talking about. Yeah, probably the the lowest that you will see for a zinc primer that's going to stay in place uh, on as part of a specification would be two to two and a half mils, um, because you're you're always going to if you go through a wheel abrader or your hand abrasive blasting. Even with the finest media, you're going to have a one to a one and a half mil profile. So you've got to have enough zinc film build over top of that to fill the profile in. So two mils on the low side is about the lowest you'll see in a specification, and probably up to about five mils with some of the organic zincs you can you can see. The typical range is two and a half to four mils that you see uh, in most specifications. But you also want to make sure that you don't put too many mills on as well, correct? That's absolutely correct. Because of how fast zinc-rich primers dry, uh, they, have, uh, they are very prone to what's called mud cracking. And that's when you get excessive film build on uh, the top flashes over. You still have solvent underneath. And as it tries to escape, it breaks through and creates uh, a modeled film uh, that looks kind of like the skin of an alligator 
a little bit, and it's weak and, and um, ineffective. So that would need to be removed if you had too much film. And it's very common to see mud cracking happen in webs and, and areas where uh, you have to, an applicator has to spray from a couple of different angles. And they may put two mils on one side of the web and, and on the flange, they'll put two mils. But at that, where those spray patterns cross, now they've got four or five, or they may put three and three, and now they've got six, and they mud crack it, and so that needs to be addressed. How soon does that show up before you start to see it? You typically see it as the as the zinc is is curing, you know, uh, and your your QC should see that when they're checking for for dry film. And the best way to remedy that if it's found on a job site would be. Depending on the size and scope, if you just have a couple of areas, you could come through and, and power tool clean that off and remove the millage um, and readdress it in large scale applications, uh, large square footage. It'd probably be best to abrasively blast it and, and bring that millage back down. What is the risk if you miss seeing that mud cracking and you try and put a coating over the top of it? It would just it'd be similar to coating over unprepared concrete it, you, where you have the latent layer on the top. It's the, it's the fines on the top of a concrete. That mud cracking is the same thing. It's, it's an improperly formed film in the zinc coating, and its cohesive strength to itself is very weak. And when you get the stresses of curing from subsequent coats over top of it, it can pull apart on itself and now you've got a void in your coating or lining system what is the adhesion that you typically find between zinc and the steel uh it depends on the on the product but you can typically you'll see uh 1500 to 2500 psi adhesion strength so if an inspector were out and questioning the film thickness and the adhesion and the quality that's what they would be looking for on a pull-off test then is around the thousand range would you say you would you would want to refer to to the technical data sheet for for whatever product you were using and the what you see as the um, value that's on the uh, that's published by any manufacturer is in optimum conditions in a lab uh, at perfect millages and everything. We very rarely ever at, get optimum you, conditions you ever, hanging you, 100 feet in the you air. You very rarely see that. So <laughs> I would say that if you had 65 to 70% of that strength in the field, you would say that that could, could be excellent uh, adhesion uh, between the zinc and the steel. As an applicator, I've struggled with spraying zinc because of my lack of experience, but I also find that I dry spray it quite a bit. Is that a typical problem you would find within the industry, or is it just something experienced sprayers learn to deal with? And do they have, what are the surface prep standards if they find they have dry sprays, primarily on the interior of a water tank where they have a bowl and it can settle? Well, the answer is yes and yes. <laughs> you, you see that. I mean, dry spray in zincs is a problem. Um, manufacturers spend a great deal of trying, trying to optimize solvent packages to make sure that that doesn't occur. But at some point, too, 
good painting practice come in and if you know that you've got a, you're spraying a product that has a tendency to to fall out and dry maybe we throw a tarp down on the bottom to protect the, the the bowl before you get there so that you don't have that significant buildup. Would a pole mm-hmm. sander across the bottom, if they're dry spray, is that there yes. to be sufficient enough to remove it and sweep it down? It, if it, if it's minor dry spray, yes. You commonly screen uh, inorganic or organic zincs uh, to knock that down and and then put your subsequent coats over the top of it. Now, the last topic we've got talking about zinc, and I know Jamie's super excited to talk about, and we've touched on it a little bit, is zinc versus cathodic protection. This is another area when we talk about zinc primers where there is some debate in the industry. So I'm going to leave it up to our two experts here to duke it out a little bit. But let's talk about zinc versus cathodic protection. Uh, What are the pros and what are the cons? Eric, we're going to start with you. Well, if zinc primers are applied properly and the zinc particles are allowed to come in contact with the steel, they act as a cathode and, and, and they sacrifice themselves to protect the steel. Um, there is significant debate in the industry, though. <laughs> yes, there is. I'm setting Jamie up. <laughs> and I'm putting a, I've been talking about baseball all night. I'm setting the ball up on the tee. There, there's significant debate in the industry, though, whether or not uh, – zincs when they're suspended in the resin actually come in contact with that i'm in the camp that i i do see that there is some benefit from zinc primers uh as a a corrosion aid um but i also recognize the stance of of the other camp that there there can be some some issues with that without a doubt it's a fantastic barrier coating because of the makeup itself and the moisture penetration through the coating, all coatings are permeable to moisture. We know that. It's the rate in which they transfer that makes the difference in the coatings. But in the case of a zinc, being on it is nothing more than a fantastic primer. But what, what about when they add additional cathodic protection to, say, a water tank, where we know we have cathodes hanging in the water, and yet we have this ex- very expensive barrier protection in there, I don't believe that you need both. And I don't believe that we need to have cathodic protection in a water tank because the technology of our barrier coatings has been able to extend the life of the interior. So I just think that the zinc itself is a good primer. I don't think it really adds as additional cathodic protection. I do think it's a great primer. And I do believe that the cathodic protection that is hung in there by other manufacturers um is a separate piece isn't really useful in the industry i'm gonna we get the long pause here I get the long <laughs> pause. i i i believe that it's uh you should choose one or the other um it baffles me though to think that um, you're going to hang anodes in, in a tank and the most severe exposure inside of a water tank is the vapor space, the roof rafters. That's where you see your corrosion first and all. It's the hardest to paint. It's the highest away from the ground. And um, 
that's not encapsulated in an electrolyte. So it, it's, it's not seeing truly the benefit of the cathodic, the impressed current cathodic protection. So I think the advancement of, of using, to your point, ultra-high solids products, edge retentive products in those areas to provide increased barrier protection is probably way more of an advantage than cathodic protection. Thank you to Eric Zimmerman and Jamie Mays for joining us to help us understand the history of zinc-rich primers, how they're made, the different industries they're used in, and how they're applied. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask us a question by sending us an email at info at or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.